This is Steeler Country, episode 176 for week 4, 2016, when the Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Kansas City Chiefs 43-14, recorded October 4th, 2016. My mother's people were all coal miners. My father's people were all steel workers. They all worked in the mills. I don't believe in miracles. I believe in Pittsburgh. We play for city and country. The city is Pittsburgh. And this is Steelers Country. All right, I'm your host, Tony. Welcome to the show. Let's get right into it. Let's talk about this one. This was a big win for the Steelers. Mike Tomlin called it Redemption Sunday after the disaster that was that game against the Eagles. The Steelers had a chance to right those wrongs against a quality opponent. An opponent that, look, they made the playoffs last year. They went on that hot streak at the end of last year to make the playoffs. They won a playoff game. And they beat the Steelers last year. I mean, you know, this team beat the Steelers last year. Yes, it was against Landry Jones. Yes, it you know, that was a weird, fluky game, and it was in Kansas City, and this was going to be a little different. But the Steelers made this one look easy. I mean, this was 22 to nothing after the first quarter, and they never really looked back. It was never a game. As much as Philadelphia and that whole game was a total team loss, this one was a total team win. This was all three phases coming to play. And let's talk about the defense right off the top, because that was a real night and day performance. You know, we had some key injuries coming in. Sean Davis, the nickel corner slash safety, suited up, didn't play. Uh, he was really suited up just because, you know, you got to have 46 active. Uh, and he was the active but injured. Robert Golden at safety, we talked about him all year, you know, how important he was to this defense. It's going to be interesting to see how this defense responded without him. And then I don't want to call him the heart and soul of the defense, but certainly our best playmaker on defense, Ryan Shazier, was also out for this one. Those are three key injuries. And this is a defense that in those first two weeks had been impressive in a way that is unstealer like They were good between the 20s. They weren't getting after the quarterback. They weren't allowing points. Um, they were allowing yards. And we were, and every Steeler fan was okay with that as long as they can continue to get away with it. Against Philly, the wheels came off. And we and we talked about this those first two weeks, that the wheels could come off. That this was, you know, you're a bit playing with fire when you let someone drive down when you're not making big three and outs, when you're not getting at the quarterback, when you're letting quarterbacks have time, you're really playing with fire. And in this game, Keith Butler decided, let's bring the heat. Let's bring some more five-man blitzes. And this was a lot of one-on-one wins. This was Cam Hayward looking very healthy now. He came into the season with that ankle sprain. You know, no, no telling how injured or healthy he was in those first couple weeks. But I'll tell you this, on Sunday, he was very healthy and he was out there making plays. I believe he had three sacks. Stefan Tuit was was very very good, but I, let's talk about those guys that that replaced the injured Sean Davis, Robert Golden, Ryan Shazier, and let's start with Vince Williams. This is a guy who, before the season, the Steelers signed him to a contract extension, a somewhat of a controversial contract extension because it meant that Lawrence Timmons was probably this was going to be his last year. Now the Steelers are going to move away from Lawrence Timmons. Timmons is a guy who's been here forever. He was Mike Tomlin's first draft pick. He's been a staple of the defense since then, since 2007. It's almost been 10 years. And it's a little bit sad to see a guy like Timmons go. 
But when you have someone like Vince Williams on your roster, I think the Steelers understood that they had to make a move on this one. And that defense is shifting away from that Lawrence Timmons type role and more towards the Vince Williams. And Vince Williams went out there on Sunday and proved that he can be everything the Steelers signed that contract for. It wasn't a big contract. It wasn't like we broke the bank to keep Vince Williams. But we got a guy who's a sure tackler, who's around the ball, who's everything you want to see in an inside linebacker. Is he going to be a superstar stud in this league? No. Is he going to play every third down? No. He's a first and second down guy who's going to be around the ball. And Vince Williams did a very, very good job in that role and replaced Ryan Shazier, the playmaker of the defense. Vince Williams had, what, 13 solo tackles, 14 tackles overall? An incredible performance for him. from him. An incredible performance. And, and, it, it let, and his play kind of trickled down to the rest of the defense. We needed sure tackling in this game. This was, all, this was a game that was going to come down to block and tackle, block and tackle. It is the things that went wrong against the Philadelphia Eagles. And in this game, Vince Williams went out there and made tackles. Tackles at the point of attack did not allow the Chiefs to drive the football. And then you look at Jordan Dangerfield, the safety who came in to play for Robert Golden. I mean, he was in there playing a little Robert Golden Jr. out there. I mean, he was, you know, he was baby Robert, Robert Golden. He was out there around the ball, bullet head mentality, making big plays, making big hits, hits at the point of attack. I was very impressed with Jordan Dangerfield. I don't think that there was a huge drop-off from Ryan Shazier to Vince Williams, and I don't think that there was a huge drop-off from Robert Golden down to Jordan Dangerfield. And then for Sean Davis, the nickel corner, we talked about this last week. This is going to mean that Artie Burns is going to start to see some play. Was Artie Burns perfect? No, I mean, he got, he got flagged a couple times. But he had a hell of a pass breakup. The guy's got some raw athletic gifts that are becoming very apparent very early in his career. We saw this against Carolina. We saw this against Cincinnati. And now we're seeing it again this week. This guy has the ability to make up speed, even on plays in which you know he's not totally comfortable with the coverage. He's not in the right place. But he's able to use those raw gifts to just get there and make the play. And that's what he did. And he did that on multiple occasions in this game. I thought he was very, very good. He's got some work to do with tackling, and he's got some work to do schematically and all of that. Look, he's not going to replace William Gay today full-time, but he did in this game, and he did a very good job in the nickel. So you move Gay over into the into the slot. Obviously, you know, that's a position that he's very comfortable playing. That's how he's got his start in the league. And I thought the secondary was, was really good. The whole defense is really good. They got pressure on Alex Smith. He didn't allow those big plays. We weren't allowing the the Jamal Charles and, and um, Spencer Wares to, to have those big splash plays. And even that little number 10, whatever his name was, you know, he's very, very fast and very, very good. And he didn't burn us really until, you know, the end of the game when it was already over. I'm impressed with what I saw defensively in this game. I'm not sure. Look, you know, the Steelers had such a big lead early in this game that the Chiefs became so one-dimensional that there's – Look, there's not going to be a lot of takeaways that I'm going to say, oh, this defense now translates into X, Y, and Z. I, I don't know that that's true. What I really liked in this game was seeing guys dominate in you know in one-on-one situations, especially on the defensive line. I thought Hargrave had some nice plays. I thought Hayward played his ass off. You know, he's he's the best player on the defense. He's proving that. And he's the most consistent player on the defense because Shazier's injury problems are becoming, you know, a little the habit is becoming a little too much now. But overall, man, you know, you, you can't say a, a bad thing about this defense. It was a This was a shutout for all intents and purposes right up until the end. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of that had to do with score. But, you know, Artie Burns making those plays, uh, 
Vince Williams asserting himself, Jordan Dangerfield asserting himself. It's good, man. It's good to see that this team that we thought defensively it was already a little bit eh, smoke and mirrors. Is it smoke and mirrors those first two weeks? And now we see, well, maybe maybe it's not just smoke and mirrors. And maybe we have a little depth there. So it'll be interesting to see what, what that's like going forward. And then on the offensive side of the ball, you know, like I said, this is a game about blocking and tackling, right? This is a game that's going to come down to can you tackle them at the point of attack like you've been doing in weeks one and two? And can you protect Ben and get him time to see some of these playmakers that we have and get the ball to these playmakers that we have like you didn't do against Philly? And the answer was, you know, in both cases, yes, right? Ben had time. Ben found guys. It's It started this game. Look, this game started strange. I know we talked about last week that Le'Veon was going to play out of the slot. We were going to use him as a wide receiver, and Bell and him were going to be, or excuse me, D'Angelo and Bell were going to be on the field at the same time. But this game just started a little strange. We were getting cute a little too much. It just felt like, look, you know, we have the three best offensive players on the field. Let's just get them the ball. It's not, we don't need to trick them. Um, and that, you know, this the first drive, okay, so they have a long one to coast, but then it just kind of stalls out. Penalties. Steelers get the ball in that second drive after the turnover. First and second down are, again, just kind of, eh, what are we doing? Like, just hand the ball to Le'Veon or, or throw the ball to A.B., but all this trickery is not really working. And then, boom, you hit Hayward Bay in the back of the end zone. Um, or, excuse me, you hit Hayward Bay on his way to the end zone. And it's it's 8 nothing easy. And from that point, the game just kind of unraveled. What was really telling in this game is that when the defense is playing like it was and causing havoc, creating turnovers like they did, it's going to be really hard for teams to keep up because this game was over very early in the first quarter. When the Steelers were up 8 to nothing, I was already thinking this the game is over. This game is over. When the game was 15 to nothing, I mean it's it would be just I don't did I turn it off Do I watch something else. I mean, should I watch should I catch up catch up on stranger things like what what are we doing here? Um, and the reason is because you know, Steelers fans, that feeling you have about this offense the one when they have the ball where you go, they can score on any drive. It's real. It's real. This offense can score on any drive at any time. They can score whenever they want. It's it's an unbelievably powerful offense that, you know, we've talked about these role players and, and you know, not needing the superstar Martavis Bryant, Ladarius Green, you know, getting away without Le'Veon. But, you know, we're going to start getting to that point of the season now where – we are going to have Le'Veon, and we are going to have Ladarius Green. And hold on a second, Sammy Coates might become our number two receiver full-time now. And what does the NFL do to respond to that? How do, de- how do defenses schematically plan for Le'Veon and D'Angelo and Antonio Brown, you know, and Ladarius Green, and Sammy Coates? This offense is just so full of playmakers, and that's what was really on that was that was what was on showcase on on Sunday night. The Steelers got two short fields and immediately put that in and, and just blew this game out of the water. You, this defense last year was pretty good at getting turnovers. This year it hasn't been as prolific. But if that if it starts to shift again and this defense starts to find its groove now and we do start to get some turnovers, this offense is in a place where it can score literally on any any drive at any situation. And it can be at any moment. It is just lightning quick. You look at that Sammy Coates play right off the top. And I know they didn't score. They shot themselves in the foot. But they scored right after that on the on the, the Hayward Bay. And the crazy thing about that drive, like I said, they 
the first and second down are crap plays. I mean, they're going nowhere. And then all of a sudden, boom, Hayward Bay touchdown. You got that long one to, to A.B. Le'Veon's 44-yarder at the end of the game. I mean, this was an offense that just, it was just so easy. It's just so smooth. When they're not shooting themselves in the foot, when they're not giving themselves holding penalties, there's not a whole lot of negative negativity that comes from this offense. You're not seeing Le'Veon get hit behind the line for four yards. Ben's not getting sacked at any kind of alarming rate. I think he was only pressured in this game like four times. And when, when you can't get to Ben and you're not, you're not stopping Le'Veon, the thing about Le'Veon, the, the smoothness of Le'Veon himself, just what an incredible runner. You know, this is the first time that Ben, A.B., and Le'Veon, we used to call them the trifecta, has played together since December of 2014, has played a full game together. It's incredible. You know, last year, I mean, just the injury situation that went through the entire year between Ben getting hurt and Le'Veon getting hurt and them getting hurt at the same time led to this this group really not playing together. Last time they played was week 16 of 2014 when they beat the Chiefs to clinch that playoff spot. That's the last time they played a full game together. Le'Veon would go on to get injured against Cincinnati the next week. He would then get to, you know, he would serve his suspension at the end, uh, at the beginning of next the next year. Um, and, all, you know, the injury situation, we all remember that. And what I've forgotten about Le'Veon is how not just you – know, everyone talks about his short area quickness, his ability to make people miss in a tight space. You know, the, and the, the 44-yarder, I mean, the, the jump cut that he made on that one is classic Le'Veon. If you watch all those YouTube videos, the hype videos for Le'Veon, it, that's the one that's in every video. The ones that aren't in those videos are the ones like – against Tennessee in 2014, or in this game, where there weren't a ton of those highlight runs, but the highlight runs are, if you stop Le'Veon for a two-yard gain, or what should be a two-yard gain, it's actually going to be a four-yard gain. When you hit Le'Veon in the backfield, if you don't really wrap and tackle him, he's going to make you miss and go, and he did that in this one. The, the crazy one, they hit him out in the flat. It's a two-yard loss. The guy goes and wraps him up or tries to wrap him up, Le'Veon's too strong, shoves him aside, and goes, and not doesn't lose two yards, gains two yards on that play. It's a four-yard difference, and those are huge plays, especially for this offense. When we're not putting ourselves in a hole, when we're not second and 20, when we're not second and 16, when we're second and six, and then third and two, think about how easy third and two is for this offense, and how much of the playbook is open at that point. I can line you up in high formation, and I can go straight to Le'Veon, and I'll probably get it. Or I can go shotgun. I can go five wide. And am I going to throw a quick slant? Am I going to throw a quick slant to, to Eli Rogers when he gets healthy again? Am I going to am I going to get something in the flat out to Jesse James? Am I going to go deep to AB? Am I going to go deep to Sammy Coates? All of those things are open. And it's when this offense isn't hurting itself, isn't causing self-inflicted wounds. They didn't do a lot of that in this game. They did a lot of that in Philly. Got to stay away from that. When this offense is churning, when it is going, it is absolutely unstoppable. And it's only going to get more unstoppable as we add guys, you know, like like Ladarius Green. I loved watching Le'Veon play. I love you know Ben threw five touchdowns in this game. It was incredible. This was this was a perfect performance by the team. You you really can't ask for more out of the entirety of this team than you did in this one. The only question you can ask is, does it heal what happened in Philly? I think that's an interesting question because. You know, this was a team that coming into the season had a lot of hype 
around them. Oh, the offense is going to be so great. The defense can take that next step. And then coming out of weeks one and two, well, the offense looked great in week one. The defense had a big performance in week two. Everybody's riding high. But then Philly happened. Everything, everything fell apart. Everything the Steelers had built in weeks one and two, that great offense, couldn't block anybody, couldn't score more than three points. The defense, that, oh, we were so good between the 20s, we have the best red zone defense in the league. All of a sudden, can't stop anybody. And you lose 34-3. You get absolutely blown out. So does beating Kansas City like we did, does that erase what happened in Philly? Does that mean that what happened in Philly can never happen again? Of course not. Of course not. Are you going to tell me that you're you're sitting there listening to this podcast thinking, oh, no, well, there's no way that what happens to Philly happens against the Jets. There's no way. You're silly if you think that. Of course it can happen again. It can happen at any moment. That's what happened in Philly. Look, you can – yes, Philly was a game about Carson Wentz playing out of his mind and that defense playing out of its mind and that there was a – there was a lack of intensity on the Steelers' end, but it, you know, it, and they didn't match what the Eagles were bringing from an intensity standpoint. But you're going to tell me that that's not possible throughout the rest of this year? I'll just take this next week coming up. The Jets. The Jets are a one and three football team who are playing for their season. They they were a aspirational playoff team last year. They they really should have made the playoffs at our expense if they would have beaten the Buffalo Bills in Week 17. They didn't do it, but they still feel like they can be a playoff team this year, and this is their Super Bowl. They're going to come out there as intense as anyone because this is it for them. And if the Steelers come out there and they feel like they've won the game before it started because they feel like, hey, we beat Kansas City by a billion, we could beat anybody, well, then what happened in Philly is going to happen again. So, no, it doesn't erase it. But I think what it does mean is that the Steelers have have righted the ship now and that that's not going to linger, right? The, the Philly game's not going to linger. This team has come back to, okay, no, we can be who we are. We just have to stay focused now on the goal. You can't take your eye off the prize. You have to match intensity to intensity. Just because we beat Cincinnati at home, and yeah, we're all riding high. Yeah, oh yeah, look how good we are. We beat Cincinnati. We, we had that revenge game. We're, we, we're up on our division. It doesn't matter going into the next week. And hopefully this team realizes that. Because I still, I maintain, the only thing between this team and the Super Bowl is injuries. And yeah, the injury bug bit us again. Hayward Bay left the game. Chicolo left the game. Jarvis Jones left the game. Marcus Gilbert left the game. Another, you know, another week of a lot of injuries. As you know, some of those are really going to hurt. The Marcus Gilbert injury sounds like he's not going to play. That's going to hurt. That's going to hurt, especially if if his backup Ryan Smith, who also left the game with a hematoma, if he can't play, then yeah, you're going to have what? Hubbard is going to play right tackle. Hubbard's a guard who's going to play right tackle. That's going to hurt. That's going to hurt, especially against a Jets, a Jets defensive line. That's A, going to be hungry, and B, is super talented. On the defensive side of the ball, without Jarvis, you know, not that, that means that the, the two guys who are our starting outside linebackers are both hurt. Bud Dupree, gone till week eight. Now Jarvis gone. You know, that hurts. And Chicolo, it, it sounds like he's going to be out. Now there's a, one of our backups are hurt. You got Moats. And you got James Harrison. You know, and that's the list at outside linebacker. Hopefully Jarvis is okay. Hopefully he can play soon. They say Robert Golden might be able to come back this week. Tomlin was kind of optimistic about maybe Shazier coming back this week. Even Ramon Foster. All of those guys would be great to have back. 
But I, I was impressed to see that the next man up mentality really did work in this game. And that a lot of the fears that we had coming into this game about, oh no, what's going to happen with these young guys coming in to replace other young guys? What, you know, what is this just, is it just going to get even worse than Philly? And it got a lot better. You know, I think a lot of that was intensity level and just the Steelers knew that they had to, they had to have this one. But I'm not, you know, so am I, but I'm not as worried. I'm not as worried about what happens, you know, when Jarvis Jones goes out or what happens when Marcus Gilbert goes out. Yes, those injuries hurt, but this team, this team played well without them. I am actually more interested to see what the Steelers do just with the roster size. The Steelers went into last week's game with a a 53-man roster, which you have to cut down on on game day to 46 active players and seven inactives. And they went on game day with seven inactive players who were all injured. And Sean Davis, who was also injured, was on the active roster, which means they really went into this game with 45 healthy players. Now, if you add to that list another three, four guys, we're going to have some positions where the, we just have no, literally no depth. And really, it's going to be outside linebacker, offensive line, and wide receiver. With no Eli Rogers, and it doesn't sound like Eli Rogers is getting healthy in time for this week's game. And if, if Hayward Bay's shoulder injury is any sort of – it keeps him out of practice at all, you're now left with three active, healthy wide receivers on your team. It's not enough. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to sign someone. The same thing on the offensive line. If Foster's still hurt, if Harris can't go, if Gilbert can't go, again, now you're left with no depth there. You're going to have to sign someone at outside linebacker. If there's no Jarvis, if there's no Chicolo, well, then you're left with, what, Moats, and you're left with Harrison, and you're left with, what, Steven Johnson? You're going to have to sign someone. And if you're going to sign someone, then you have to cut someone, or you have to put someone on IR. The, the guys that stand out to me there, you maybe you put Roosevelt Nix, our fullback, who's been injured all year and really hasn't been able to fight back from this injury. Maybe you put him on IR. Cody Wallace, a backup offensive lineman who's been on, who's been injured the entire season. Maybe you put him on IR. Or the one that I'm really hoping they don't have to go to is Sanquez Golson, the second-round pick last year at cornerback a guy who they really wanted to play nickel this year. He's been injured really his entire career. He's only practiced like twice. But they kept him on the active roster to try and help him come back from that Liz Frank injury that he has, and maybe he can start to practice and play between, you know, around week 8 to 10. But with the amount of injuries that we have now, you have to make a roster move. They haven't made one yet. I'm interested to see what they do with this because someone, someone's got to get cut. Someone's got to get put on IR. Um... And so it's something to keep an eye out in the next couple days. All right, and then last thing on this podcast, let's talk about the New York Jets. Steelers have another home game this week, which is nice. Uh, you know, this game, this is a game that uh, has that Eaglesy feel to it, as as far as eh, you know, it feels a little too good to be true. The Eagles are coming, or excuse me, the the Jets are coming off two horrendous offensive performances in which. Ryan Fitzpatrick has thrown like nine interceptions in two games. It's insane. Um, they, they're playing terrible football, and the Steelers are playing incredible football. And, of course, you know you put two and two together there, and you go, oh, the Steelers should just blow them out. But, again, it doesn't feel like it's going to be that easy, right? The Jets do have a very, very good defensive line. 
The Steelers' offensive line hasn't lived up to the billing so far this year, um, not for the entirety of the season anyway. The Bengals were able to get pressure on us. The Eagles were able to get pressure on us. The interesting, and, and, and then, you know, the, they're depleted from injury, so it'll be interesting to see how they match up against the Jets. It's a home game, though, so, you know, in home games, the Steelers perform a hell of a lot better than they do on the road. We still got Le'Veon. We still got D'Angelo. We have the emergence now of Sammy Coates. I'm really excited to see what he's going to do, really becoming the number two receiver in this offense. And I'm, I'm sad that Eli Rogers hasn't been able to establish himself a little more, mostly because of that injury. I thought he had a great week one. Uh, he started off that Philly game with, with, the great, with a great uh, long pass. But, um, you know, he just the injury is going to keep him out of this one now. But because of that, we've really seen the emergence of Sammy Coates. And the thing that I like about Sammy Coates is that, yes, he is somewhat of a one-trick pony, or he has been. I mean, he is the long ball guy. But they've tried to get him more involved into the offense, more involved into the offense. They're using him on wide receiver screens. They're using him on little mesh routes, little crossing routes over the middle. They're trying to get him involved in, in the same way that they did with Martavis in his rookie year. And Sammy Coates is not Martavis Bryant yet. And I don't know that he'll ever be Martavis Bryant. But they're starting to get him involved like they did Martavis. The difference between what Martavis did and, let's say, someone like Mike Wallace, right? Mike Wallace never was able to establish himself as the every route wide receiver. He's great on deep routes. And then he would come up big every once in a while on other, you know, on, on your normal in route, your out route, you know, your stop route. But, he, but he, that wasn't his game. But what Martavis did was take a, take his speed, the, that 4-4, four, 4-3 four, four, speed that he had, that he could just beat you down the sideline. And then he evolved his game with some unbelievable short area quickness and ability to make people miss. And you go back to last year's game against Oakland, where Martavis Bryant has that wide receiver screen where he makes three guys miss on his way to the end zone on a wide receiver screen from the 10-yard line. And that's the difference. That's what made Martavis great. That's why when it when A.B. was out against Denver, the offense didn't just completely shut down because they were able to go to Martavis. Martavis was really evolved from his rookie year into last year into being like this one-trick pony guy, just send him deep, into this guy was a well-rounded, all-around you know, could be a number one receiver. And Sammy Coates, it's very early days for him. But what I like to see is that the offense has confidence in him. Haley has confidence in him. Ben has confidence in him. To start to work him into the offense in a very similar way. They're using him on those end arounds, using him on those wide receiver screens, the crossing routes, like I talked about. In addition to his bread and butter, which is just Sammy go beat the corner in a one-on-one -on -one situation, which he is doing. It's 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 nice. It's nice to see, and, and I think he's if he hasn't already earned that or solidified his spot as the number two receiver on this team, he very soon will because he's making big plays in big moments. And on the other side, you know, Marcus Wheaton, he had the two point conversion in this game, um, and he didn't really do a whole lot else. And it's disappointing to see. I, I think he will have his moments again. You know, he's a guy who throughout his career has had. Like the highest of highs, of course, I'm talking about the Seattle game last year, and then he just kind of disappears for a while. And right now, Marte, or excuse me, uh, Marcus Wheaton is in one of those kind of, you know, he's just kind of silent. And maybe he, maybe he 
perks up and he has one of those Marcus Wheaton type games, and we'll see. But the nice thing about this team is that you know they have that depth. They have so many players across so many positions that it, it doesn't come down to, man, if Marcus Wheaton doesn't make a play for us right now, we can't move the ball. So again, going back to the Jets, I mean, it, it's going to be about it's going to be about the offensive line beating that defensive line and giving Ben time and then finding AB, finding Sammy Coates, finding Jesse James, finding the soft spots in this Jets defense. They've had a terrible time defending the pass this year. I don't expect Le'Veon to go for big yards in this game, at least not on the ground. If he does, this will be a laugher again. Um, But again, he's the guy who who you can use on those screen passes and, and at wide receiver like they did. Um, the Steelers just have to find a way to get, you know, get rid of the ball quick. Don't let this defensive line get to Ben. Don't let Ben get uncomfortable. Let him get settled in. Let him get a rhythm. Let him find a B. Let him get some, get some short, quick passes, and let's get some points on the board. Because, like, the, like I talked about at the, at the top here, this was a game against Kansas City in which we went up twenty-two to nothing in the first quarter very, very quickly, and it's the most dangerous thing that you can do to the to an opponent. Is to just this offense just goes from the word from from right off the top. You know we haven't started quick this year at all. The Steelers haven't scored a touchdown on their opening drive all year, and this is a team that's averaging twenty-seven points a game, and they scored three last week, and they haven't scored in their opening drive. They're not starting super fast. You know if we can get out there and we put we put pressure on you, if if it's like when it was eight nothing in this game. You know, it just feels like, holy crap, I, I got to start scoring now because this Steeler offense is working. And that's the kind of pressure I want to see. That's what I want to see from this team. I want to see this team putting pressure on the opponent from the offense. And then on the defensive side of the ball, look, I don't – people are going to go into this game and they're going to think Ryan Fitzpatrick is a terrible quarterback and the Steelers should be able to intercept him once, twice, three times, just like Seattle did, you know, just like um, whoever they played two weeks ago was. Uh, you know, it should it should happen all over again, right? That those this should happen the same way it did. That we should just pick off Fitzpatrick a couple times or three times, and they shouldn't be able to move the ball. I'm not going to be surprised if it goes the other way. Again, this is a team fighting for its life. This is a guy fighting for his job. Um, it's not going to be that easy. And the Steelers this year haven't been like super tight press coverage. Oh, we're so close to getting interceptions all year. You know, we're, we're a team that's going to give a guy six yards on an easy route as long as we can make the tackle at the point of attack. And I'm much more interested in seeing this team continue that trend than I am them trying to pick off some out route for a touchdown. I'm much happier in this game if William Gay is making the tackle at, after six yards than trying to guess the route and get a pick six on Ryan Fitzpatrick because of what's happened in the last two weeks. So, you know, ultimately, I think the Steelers... Look, they're just too much firepower, right? That's just too much firepower. And as long as they don't play into the Jets' hands, as long as we're not trying for some weird seven-step drop, you know, the first guy's not open type thing, and Ben's getting sacked and we're getting holding penalties because their defensive line is, is dominating us. And then the other side of the ball, we're not tackling and we're allowing big plays. You know, I, I just don't expect that stuff to happen. We just need to come – look, the Steelers need to come into this game ready to play – you know, head on straight and let's let's just do the damn thing because at the end of the day, we are significantly better than the New York Jets and it should show up on the scoreboard. I'm predicting, I think the Steelers, you know, get right back on track with their averaging 30 a game. I think they scored like 35. I think this game's like a 35 to 10, you know, just shellacking. I think 
Um, I think that while the Jets are going to be playing for their life, I think the Steelers just have too much firepower and should be able to, to put points on the board and put points on the board quickly. So, all right, that's going to do it for Steeler Country this week. Thank you all for listening. If you want to leave feedback, SteelerCountry at gmail.com is the email address. The website is SteelerCountryPodcast.com. Remember to subscribe to us. You can subscribe to us on any of those podcast uh, subscription apps out there, iTunes, the podcast app on your iOS device if you have an Android. Get You can get that Google Play podcast app or uh, Pocket Cast, whatever they are. Just subscribe to us on any of those. We're on, we're on all of them. Um, but if you can't get to there – get to us there you can listen to the podcast on the website again that's steelercountrypodcast.com if you want to follow us on twitter twitter.com slash steelercountry and facebook.com slash steelercountrypodcast if you want to like the page we'll see you guys next week